I have to admit to you, there's some mornings that I get up and I prepare to produce this radio program and I have to ask myself the question, is it making a difference? Does does anybody even care? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. I'm getting a little bit battle weary and I think that can happen to any of us that are dealing with the world in which we are living in today. I know it wears on you. It wears on my wife, it wears on my family, it wears on many of my friends. You get tired of all the negativity, the problems, the the battles, the trials, the strangeness, the weirdness that is out there. I'm reading a, a news story this morning. And this, this happened, I can't remember the city right now, it doesn't make any difference. It's, it's coming to a school near you. Some of the students were getting a little bit tired of all the silliness that comes out of the school boards. You know, putting a women's feminine hygiene product dispenser box in the boys' room. Well, I'm going to say this, I probably shouldn't, but I congratulate those men, those young men who ripped that thing off the wall and shoved it in a toilet where it belongs, along with the idiotic school board that decided to put such nonsense in a boy's room. We are watching mental illness explode by design. You're being beaten up. You're being propagandized hourly on the television, in social media. You have reprobate school boards. These are evil individuals that want to control and own the children of this country for some pretty awful purposes. So yeah, I get tired. I wear out. You feel like you're fighting a losing battle. And in many ways we are. These are a lot of losing battles we're going to be dealing with. Part of it is because I think we as as Christians do not know how to engage in spiritual warfare. A lot of conservatives make a lot of noise. They talk about all the things they're going to do to protect their family, this and that and the other, and they cave when they really have to face up to the music. Canada is a good example. And where the U.S. goes, where, where Canada goes, the U.S. is always right behind. The number of people willing to stand up against their reprobate prime minister, the man-child, Justin, World Economic Forum protege, protege Trudeau. People back down when, when Trudeau turns off your money and cuts off your bank account. People become compliant, so do doctors. It, it feels like a losing battle. And maybe it's because we don't know how to fight. Another story I ran into this morning that made my blood boil. Now, I want you to listen to 15 seconds of music here. This is the music for a current commercial from the Department of Health and Human Resources and the CDC. Listen to this. Don't look down. You only have to take one step. I'm sure a few of you may recognize the music 
And that little song, it's about 15 seconds long. There's also a 30-second and a 60-second version. You know you've heard it, but where? It is currently being used for vaccines.gov, urging you to run out and hurry up and get another dose of a COVID vaccine. And, And what I find disturbing as I look at this to show you the way we are manipulated in terms of information. They make some statements that on the face are true, but their conclusions are false. They say that nine out of 10 COVID deaths occur to people over the age of 50. And on the surface, that is very true. Those that have been diagnosed or listed as a cause of death Yep, 9 out of 10 are over 50. 9 out of 10 are over 40. And 9 out of 10, roughly, it's about the same when you're talking over 60 and even over 70. It is true, the majority of people that died of COVID or any other respiratory illness are generally over the age of 65 or 70. But you can make the statistics sound a little bit more scary by including those that are maybe 10, 15, 20 years younger. And the statistic doesn't change a whole lot. It just sounds scarier. Now, what I found concerning, and this comes from the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Xavier Becerra. And and this, I want you to think about this. We, we mentioned this on the program a couple of years ago. And I about had my head bitten off when we talked about the never-ending cycle of COVID shots that would be coming to you. I can remember doing a program with the Reverend Dr. Timothy Gales, and and he made the statement, and I think this has got to go back to maybe uh, March, April of 2001, when he said, you know what's going to happen? He said, they're going to decide that your shots are not enough. You're going to have to come back for boosters. Well, we were told that was crazy talk. Well, then the boosters occurred in 2021. And then we said, you're going to have to have frequent boosters. And people said, that's crazy talk. That's a conspiracy theory. Facebook called it fake news. Come to our COVID-19 website and we'll tell you how to get your shots and be compliant. And you too can be safe and go to the movies because you will not get or spread COVID. It was all a lie. Every bit of it. And so now here's Secretary Xavier Becerra saying that, An updated COVID vaccine can help protect you from the worst outcomes of COVID. Not true. If it's been over two months since your last dose, plan to get one now. Find updated vaccine info at vaccines.gov. We said it 18 months ago that they would get to the point you'd be getting shots two, three, and four times a year and people laughed at us. We talked about how the transgender movement had gone into overdrive starting in a little after 2020 at the election. It's an overdrive. Suddenly, babies in the womb know they're in the wrong body. And we need medical science to 
just butcher young children and give them hormone therapies and destroy them and put tampon machines in boys' rooms. And school boards don't want to face angry parents, so they hide and cower and do their meetings online. They don't want to be held accountable. They believe in their satanically inspired hearts that these children are their property and they only send them home to you to be fed and a place to sleep. You got to get them out of office. You have to run for the school board. You need to take your schools back or get your kids out of these indoctrination centers. Starve them to death. Cut off their funding. If they want more money in a in a bill, you have to vote to say no. We get weary of the battle. I know that I do. My wife does. And you do a program like this every day. It's not easy. I don't have a staff like a Laura Ingram or a Tucker Carlson to do all the research. I don't have people to assemble this program. I'm doing it all by myself. I'm one little lone voice. And there are times that when the bills come in, like, here we are. Tomorrow is December, and we are way short. You can feel defeated really fast. Is this program making a difference? Sometimes I have to wonder. The human side of me has to wonder. But I also recognize that there are struggles that we do face. And you have to persevere. Maybe we're fighting the battle all wrong. Maybe there are other ways we need to conduct this fight. Look, the world is not going to become a better, holy, wonderful, moral, godly place. It's going to continue to spin out of control. And maybe trying to fix the world and going into battle against Satan and his hordes, well, we do what we can, but maybe we need to, maybe we need to rethink our strategy. Today, I welcome again to the microphone, Jim Calhoun, who's gonna continue on this thought of how we fight in this strange world. Thanks, Bob, and it's truly great to be back on Truth to Ponder. And I want to start out by thanking Bob Bierman for allowing me to speak to his great audience again. It's always a great honor for me to do so. And over the last probably eight episodes, my time at Truth to Ponder has been full of glitches. And I finally got to the bottom of it. My computer has a virus and had a really bad virus in my audio system. And so what it was doing was scrambling my audio files just like you would scramble a bunch of eggs. And what I thought was edited and ready for error actually was until I ran it through my final processing. And it was in the final processing that would add things back into a program that I edited out. Plus, it would scramble and double things up and really make it hard to listen to. And I really do apologize for that. But I think I got to the bottom of it. I'm using a totally different computer. I'm using a totally different program. And so we'll see if I have the problem remedied. But I want to thank everyone for sticking with me during all this trial and error as I try to figure out how to run a computer. 
And I've done a fairly decent job at it until, like I say, about the last eight episodes have been really tough for me to get out to the public without my computer doing something to the last file as I sent it out. And yes, I was triple proofing things, but it was in the final program that I would use before I would send it out. That's where the virus was hiding and it would scramble all of my audio. But anyway, that's water under the bridge, and it's onward and upward, and I have a good show lined up for you today, and it's going to be in two parts. The first part is going to be what I consider a 20,000-foot view, from my point of view anyway, of the situation all over the world and what the consequences of this all may be. And the second half of the show is going to be by popular demand. I have a lot of audience members that have asked me to expound on saving food and prepping. And so the second half of the show is going to be devoted entirely to prepping. And I seem to get more email and regular mail on that subject than any other. And I did get a very interesting letter today in the mail. And it's from one of my listeners on the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. And it's about a five-page letter. I've read half of it. It's very intriguing. As a matter of fact, on my next show, I plan on reading the entire letter. And then anything that I think needs to be repeated from that letter on the next episode of Truth to Ponder, I'll include parts of this letter because this gentleman that wrote me the letter seems to really understand what's going on. And I appreciate him taking the time to write the letter to me. Well, my 20,000-foot view of the world situation is this. Mark Twain said it best. History does not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And I see a lot of things happening in the world that are very similar to things that's been happening for centuries. And one of the things that they're doing is, when I say they, I'm meaning the people that are messing things up, the people that are pushing change for the sake of change, and they really don't have a clear-cut agenda other than chaos. And the first thing they're doing is the old classic divide and conquer. And I'll get back to that divide and conquer in a few minutes. But I want to start with the second thing that I see, and then I'm going to tie the divide and conquer back into it. In medieval times in Scotland, the Scottish were trying desperately to keep the English out of their country. They wanted to have their own kingdom, their own people. They wanted to be separate from the English crown. And it seemed like that the Scottish fighters were extremely brave, and they really did well in battle but they never won any wars. They won a battle here and there, but most of the big battles were won by the English. And why is that? Well, it's the tactic that the English used and the tactic that the Scottish used. And the Scots wanted to be brave, and they wanted to show that they were brave, and that was their downfall. It seems that the clan leaders would lead their troops into battle. And so the clan leaders would raise their swords and they'd run into battle. And guess who the first to die were? Of course, it was the clan leaders because they did not want to be seen as cowards behind their men. They wanted to be in front of their men. Whereas the English, they led their men from behind. Their commanders would be up on a hill somewhere overlooking the battle and directing troops. While the Scottish, their leaders, they would be the first into the battle. And so they would be the first to die. And after all of the clan leaders were either horribly wounded or dead, it seemed that the Scottish either lost their will to fight 
or they got confused. There was no leadership. And so the English were able to win the day. And it seems like that the powers that be, and I'm talking about the globalists and the people that control the mainstream media, the ones that are forcing the COVID injections and things like that, they're doing the same thing. Most of the people in the new media movement are independent people. They're lone wolves, so to speak. And so the listeners look up to these spokesmen as leaders. And as Rush Limbaugh always said, the pioneers always take the arrows. So you have people like Alex Jones and others like him that are just getting brutalized by the press. And also they're being brutalized in the courts. And what they're doing to these people is absolutely unconstitutional. And what they're doing to the political prisoners that they're holding in Washington, D.C., simply for trespassing, is just unreal. But you see, that's what the globalists are doing. They're taking out the leadership. Because it's the people like Alex Jones, whether you like him or not, he's a great example here. People like him are at the forefront. As he likes to say, they're the tip of the spear. And so you have people like Alex Jones and also Hal Turner recently had his website hacked and scrambled. And Hal Turner has been coming under massive attack as far as cyber attack, trying to take his website down. And so what you have are what I'm going to call for this discussion, the leaders of the resistance, the people that are resisting the COVID shots, the people that are resisting the tyranny. They're out front. And they're trying to inform and they're trying to inspire. They're not trying to foment any revolution or they're not trying to do anything that's illegal. All they're trying to do is stand up for their rights and trying to give other people the backbone to stand up for their rights. And so that's what's happening here is you have our leaders, so to speak, out front, just like the Scottish, and they're being taken out one at a time. And as the Alex Joneses of the world are taken out, then the other people that are small, like myself, we know that we could possibly be next. And so we have to ask ourselves, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to tell people my opinion over the air? Because we have so much censorship in the cancel culture and the woke culture is just relentless going after people. And they go after their families, they go after their business, they go after everything that the person is. And they try to trash them in every which way they can trash them. And that's what's happening all across the new truth media. And also any politician that dares speak out against all of the evils of this tyranny and all of the evils of the forced COVID mandates and all the stuff that is really harmful to the American public, and not only the American public, but to the public at large worldwide. It seems like that the governments are all walking in lockstep against their own people. Just look at what's happening in China right now. Then if you remember the trucker strike in Canada and similar things that have happened January 6th, any time that we the people get together and try to express our disdain or our dissatisfaction, then we're set up somehow. They're trying to take the leadership out. And so you have people like Michael Lindell with My Pillow, who has taken his reputation and his fortune, and he's put it on the line. Well, he's been canceled. 
He's been canceled from all these retail stores. He's been ridiculed. He's been mocked. And he's even had left-wing organizations try to organize companies to make pillows to compete against him. Why? He wants the Constitution to reign supreme in the United States of America. And he also wants free and honest elections. And everybody should want that. And it's like with Twitter. There's a big uproar on Twitter since Elon Musk took it over. And it seems like that everyone's mad at him. Well, they're mad at him because he wants to bring in free speech and diversity. I thought diversity was a good thing. Well, not really, not in the mind of a true leftist. The only diversity they tolerate is diversity within their own group. But if you're not part of them, if you're not part of their ideology, well, they want to cancel you. And so all of these leaders, so to speak, whether they be businessmen or they'd be politicians or talk show hosts, they're being targeted one at a time. And as they are targeted and they lose their fortunes or they lose their reputation or possibly even lose their life if things get bad enough, I see a very big analogy between the leaders of the clans in ancient Scotland being taken out first, and then there's total disarray, and then the other side just mops up and wins. I guess what I'm trying to point out is we need more people that are part of we the people, the ones that don't want to be a leader but want to keep their constitutional republic intact. And so I guess what I'm asking everyone out there to do is to please do your part. And I know episode after episode, Bob Behrman points out things that are very common sense and things that we all should know and things that we should feel and some things that we should be doing or at least considering doing. And I try my best to do the same thing. And other talk show hosts that I listen to, they also do that same thing. I don't think we're talking to ears that refuse to listen. I think we have a whole lot of people that are timid, and I think that they're scared to stick their neck out because they don't want to have their head chopped off. And believe me, I do understand that. And I've had several people contact me and said, Jim, you're really risking a lot. I've had people that I do business with that tell me that I should do a whole lot of things to protect myself, at least legally. And I looked into several things, and they're all cost prohibitive. So I'm just going to come out here and just do what I do and be who I am. And I'm not going to let anybody buffalo me. But anyway, I'm going to stay being who I am. And I'm going to go ahead and try my best to offer solutions and at least get people to wake up enough to use their own head so they can come up with solutions in their own life. But I wish that we had more people that are willing to step up and call things as they see it instead of whispering it to each other or just getting in little groups and talking about how bad things are and then really not doing anything about it. Now, I'm not asking anyone to do anything about it as far as take to the streets or do anything violent or do anything that is illegal. I'm not asking anyone to do anything of the sort. But I do think that our opinions need to be out there. And too many times you have several liberals or leftists that have a what I consider a warped view of the world, and let's say they're full-blown woke. And if you happen to be in a group of those people, and they start talking about their woke ideas, most people figure that if they speak out and put their opinion out there, then they're going to be shunned by these people, and they're going to be ridiculed, and so they keep their mouth shut. 
Well, I'm going to tell you this. I don't hang around people that are like that. If I know people are woke and leftists, I just leave them alone. Because Michael Savage called liberalism a brain disease. And I happen to agree with that assessment. People that are full-blown leftists seem to, I don't know, have something that doesn't connect as far as common sense and just the way the world is. They like to view the world from such a different perspective that a lot of times what they see or what they think they see just isn't so. And like Ronald Reagan used to say, the biggest problem with liberals is that they think they know so much that they don't know. And so just little things like standing up for your own principles. If you happen to be in a group of leftists or woke people, and even if you see them every day at work or whatever, don't let them walk over you and don't let them belittle you. I've been watching many videos online of leftists that are attacking people that I'm going to consider conservatives, but more than conservatives, I think they're just average Americans. And a lot of average Americans are starting to stand up for themselves and say, whoa, wait a minute. And then they give an example of what they're talking about that the leftists cannot even comprehend how to answer. I watched a video of a man who happened to be white, was confronted by a man that happened to be black, and this man was talking about this white guy had to apologize for all of the racism of white people. And he had a whole crowd of people that were backing him up where this white man didn't have anybody. It was just him. And he told the young black man, he said, well, that's absurd trying to have me apologize for a whole race. And then he pointed out statistics of law enforcement officers being assaulted and killed by blacks. He turned to tables and he said, will you apologize for all of the officers that either were harmed or killed by black men? And that black guy had no answer for it. And it's just little things like that. We don't have to go out and be confrontational. I don't think that's productive at all. But it's also not productive just to lay down and let people walk all over you. And so if the Scottish would have followed the English, and if they would have led from behind and had their troops out front, and they would be on the hill directing their troops, Scotland likely would have won at least a war or two against England. And from the 20,000-foot view that I see, I see that the people that are willing to stick their neck out are being attacked brutally, but one at a time. And it seems like that the left and all of their ilk, the mainstream media and the politicians and all of the Hollywood people, they seem to walk in lockstep and attack any leader that has any common sense or anybody that has any real ties with what I call the real America. Now, what I mean by the real America, it's the America that everyone is free. It's the America where there's no child trafficking. It's the America where there's no abortion on demand. It's not draconian America, and it's not perfect America, because America's never been perfect. But the path that we're on is the path to destruction. And the United States has been compared to Babylon the Great, and that we're the Babylon that spoke of in the Bible. Well, I have no proof that it is, but that is my way of thinking. As I see the debauchery, and I see the chaos, and I see just man's inhumanity to man, 
And what I think is mental illness just everywhere in our society. And nobody really wants to do anything about it. You know, years ago, if someone dressed up and they thought they were a bird and they were convinced that they were a bird, those people were institutionalized. Not because people hated them. It's because they were afraid that this person might do something to harm themselves. They might think they're a bird and and go up on a building and jump off. But with modern society, if someone thinks they're a bird, you have to agree with them that, yes, they are a bird. And if you say, well, no, you're not a bird, well, then you're a racist and a homophobe and a this and a that. And, and so we have all of this convoluted thinking that's being put out as normal. And so it's time that people that I consider as normal, which would be the listeners to Truth to Ponder, I really think it's time for all of us to stand up and just tell these people no and tell them when they're wrong. We don't have to argue with them because we're never going to persuade we might persuade one half of 1% of them. But we have to understand we're dealing with people that have been really brainwashed and people that really don't have any common sense. Now, I said I was going to bring this full circle back to the divide and conquer. And I don't have to say much about it, but I know people that just love Bob Behrman, but they hate Hal Turner or vice versa, or people that think that Alex Jones is a phony I hear all of these things. Most of the people in the New Truth Media are in the pocket of some group, whether it be a nationality or an ideology. And so it really does seem to me that what the other side is doing is that they're taking out the leadership one at a time, but they're also spreading disinformation about the different talk show hosts and the different people on the conservative side that. It seems like they're trying to stir everything up. A good example is Governor DeSantos and Donald Trump. Everything that's done or said from those two guys is going to be taken and twisted by the mainstream media into something that most likely is not. And I know people that think that Alex Jones is owned by Israel. And I know people that think that Hal Turner is controlled by the CIA. And all of these things go out there to try to confuse and keep that chaos going. And I'm not saying that everybody in the New Truth Media is what they say they are, because I don't know any of these people and I'll never meet them. And I'm just one guy out here. But I do know that Bob Behrman is true blue, and I do know several others are as well. But I see a pattern here, the pattern of divide and conquer. And so the next time you hear something bad about someone who is standing up for the rights of we the people, the next time you hear someone bad, you hear something bad about someone that's risking their life and also their fortune just to get the word out, and you hear something bad against them, I think it's time that you used a lot of discernment and didn't just automatically take what you hear and run with it. So to sum everything up, I think that we all have to not walk in lockstep. I think we need to walk in truth. I think we need to use our brain and our common sense. But I think it's time that we rallied around the people that are willing to risk their lives and their fortunes to try to save our republic. And I think that we should do more than just sit back and listen to them on the television or the radio. I think it's time for all of us to make a stand. And on the other side of the break, I'll be back 
I'll be talking about prepping. And Jim will be right back in just a few minutes. I hope that you'll stick around. I do need to speak to my radio audience in particular right now. Give me a couple of minutes. This is urgent. We started this program, Truth to Ponder, back at the end of August of 2020 in a time when we didn't know what was going to happen next. Everything was so fluid. Yet in the work that I had done prior to beginning this radio program, coming out of retirement, going into emergency management for a while, and seeing firsthand the narratives and the changing narratives and some of the confusing information, I started to even question why did I come out of retirement? Something seemed inherently wrong. And I can remember being in my hotel room and thinking, I can't do this. This doesn't feel right. The money was wonderful and we needed it desperately at that time. We had things that had to be done at our home and just a lot of things and this was a blessing. And so I left Florida to go out of state for several months. And I realized I left in the end of February, beginning of March and by the time we hit May, March, April and then in May, I knew I had to leave. I knew my time was up and and I had to walk away from that. I could have stayed for a lot longer if I wanted to. And I went and got my wife and we, we went to our little place in the Georgia mountains and it needed some work. So we decided to use that time and be alone. And that's when the Lord spoke to me about doing this radio program and other ministries that need to be done. My little part of it you need to do your part as well. But I'm going to tell you right now, this has been the most difficult, the most difficult month, this month of November that we have ever gone through since the program began. And I'm going to have to make a few decisions over the next several days. I want to grow the program, not shrink it. So if you've never supported us before, now is a good time. Look, I know the economy is awful. I know people's power bills have gone up. Food bills have gone up. We see it here in our own house. Remember, we're not paid by this radio program. We're living on a fixed income for our household expenses ourselves. And this month for us has also been brutal. I get it. But if you can help us out, please do. You can help us from our website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com, or you can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, mailing address, post office box 510, P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, zip code 24319. That's 24319. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Beerman, the oath of God on Calvary. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now in Luke, at the beginning, Zechariah says, and, and Mary, they, they, there's references to God's promises or the oath that God made. 
In fact, the word Zechariah means God has remembered, and his wife, Elisheva, the mother of John the Baptist, is his oath. So we put it together, God has remembered his oath. What oath did God make? Well, it happened in the land of Moriah on a mountain. You see, Moriah is where God made an oath. He swore by himself. It's in Genesis 22. When Abraham offered up Isaac, it says that he swore by himself. Amazing thing for God to swear by himself, because when you swear by something, you're offering it up. So God is offering up himself. In, it says, in that mountain, it shall be seen. What mountain is that? Mount Moriah. And what, what happened on Mount Moriah? What's on Mount Moriah? Calvary. That's the place where Messiah died. The same place where God swore the oath. That's Calvary because that's the place. That's where God offered up himself. That's the oath of the mountain. God swore by himself to Abraham and 2000 years later on that mountain, he fulfilled his oath. He offered up himself, his life on Calvary. And so all the promises of God rest on his oath. And that oath rests on Calvary. So you can depend on it. Whatever he promises, his word, his love to you, his faithfulness to you, he'll do it. He'll do it. He swore it by his own life, offered up for you in the land of Moriah on a hill called Calvary. Want more? Ask for the Omega Oath on CD. Now, what if somebody offered you a million dollars? Well, what would you say? Well, a strong and victorious walk with God is worth more than a million dollars. I want to offer that to you, worth more than a million dollars, something to help give you a strong and victorious life. A free subscription to Sapphire's Vitamins for Your Spirit and the incredible Mystery of the Temple Doors on CD are all free. You'll love it. How do you get it? Easy. Just remember Jesus is really renamed Yeshua and you dial it. So just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 for your free gift. You will be blessed, but call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, the harvest is great. The laborers are few. I invite you to join me in the harvest. You don't need to plow. Just an open heart and a pen. You can reach the unreached peoples of the world. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. Imagine blanketing the earth with the gospel. The farthest way you could ever spread it. Shortwave radio. You can be two. You can join in. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Or you can write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. That's Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying his promises are good. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend and Messiah. Ben Elohim, the Son of God. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Welcome back to the second half of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun, sitting in today for Bob Bierman. And Bob Bierman will be back with another great episode of Truth to Ponder tomorrow. Well, the first half of the show, I was talking about different things that I see as far as a big picture of what's happening with what I call the New Truth Media Movement that is definitely alive and well. But the people that do not like the New Truth Media, they're attacking everyone that's involved. But I'm going to move on to a topic that I get a lot of questions about, and that's prepping. And in particular, what to do with the food that you store and how to store it, and actually what to buy. And again, I'm going to give you an opinion. And everybody's situation is different. But if I give you an idea or two that you can either warp a little bit and change it into something that will work for you, or maybe the idea will just give you a whole different inspiration to think of something totally different, then I've done my job. And what I really want to do is be a help to people. 
I'm going to start out by recommending some things that I think you should have in your pantry. And first and foremost, the things that are hardest to get in an emergency are among the things that you need to add to your pantry right now because they're available right now in most places anyway. And the first thing is protein. Now, I know there's all sorts of people out there that eat different diets. You have vegans, you have vegetarians, you have people that are meat eaters, you have people that don't eat chicken, that don't eat fish, and so forth and so on. And so I'm just going to give you a general outline of proteins. And one of the best proteins you can have are eggs. Now, I know people have issues with eggs, too. And I don't want to go into that. I'm just going to talk about just pure protein. Eggs are easy to digest when they're fixed right. If you like your eggs prepared to where they're fully cooked, and I mean overdone, well, they can be a little hard to digest. Whereas a soft-boiled egg is probably one of the easiest things to digest, and it's full of protein. Now, there are ways you can store eggs. You can put eggs in slake lime and water, and that will keep eggs for up to a year. And also, I've had people tell me that they scramble eggs, and then they dry them and powder them, and then they have powdered eggs. I haven't tried that yet, but but the person that told me that has been raising chickens for years, and I think she knows what she's talking about. And of course, hard-boiled eggs, and there are different things you can do with eggs. And so if you're in position to get some chickens, I really think you need to do that. Because this bird flu epidemic that they claim is out there is claiming the lives of millions of birds, but they're not necessarily dying from bird flu. They're dying because someone in the government tells the people that own the big flocks of chickens that they have to be destroyed because they want to try to control the growth of this bird flu. And so most of the birds are being killed out of precaution. But what that's doing is making the price of eggs and chicken just go astronomically high. And I think it's going to go higher. And I need to insert here that I do believe that this is a global extermination event, that these people that are so-called in charge, the ones that are unelected, that like Dr. Fauci, the ones that do things that are detrimental to we the people, I think they want to try to really hurt our food supply. And so if you can get some chickens, even if it's three or four, just to give you some eggs, I think that's a good plan. Now, earlier I told my son not to get chickens, but things have changed drastically. And I still am not very fond of chickens as far as their personalities, because they can be really mean to each other. And when one of them starts getting picked on, you have to segregate them from the rest of the flock or else the rest of the flock will probably end up killing them. And so chickens do have some personality issues. But I really do think that that's something that, if you can, you need to consider doing that. And another protein source, of course, is red meat. And red meat can be saved in many ways. You can, of course, freeze it. You can dry it, make jerky out of it. You can smoke it and preserve it that way. And also, you can can meat. And there are several ways you can successfully can meat. And one way is to use a pressure cooker and use the traditional canning methods that most people are familiar with. But another way you can store meat is to go ahead and cook the meat and then store it in lard. And you would render your own lard and you would put like an inch of lard down. And let's say that you're trying to store hamburger patties. 
You'd go ahead and fry your meat, make your hamburger patties. Then you'd put an inch of lard in a jar and make sure there's like a half an inch around the outer side of the hamburger that is free. And so the lard can get in between the inside of the jar and the actual meat. But you want about a half an inch or so of lard between each patty. Then you simply put in lard, put in a patty, put in some more lard, put in another patty, and just repeat that process. Then you put about an inch of lard at the very top, and then you go ahead and seal it up. And I've heard that will keep meat for up to a year. Now, I haven't tried that, but I know a lot of people that do. And a lot of people attribute that to the Amish. And I'm not sure if it goes back to the Amish or not, but there are ways. And I mentioned jerky. But jerky is probably one of the safest ways that you can store your meat because it doesn't need refrigeration. And as long as you keep it in a real dry place, the jerky is not going to go bad. And so I think that's something that everyone should consider is making their own jerky. And another source of protein, of course, is the chicken and the turkey. And that's harder to keep. You can have more salmonella issues with chicken and turkey than you do with beef or pork or lamb. So I think that the best way to store fowl is to freeze it. Chicken and turkey and duck and things like that. And I know that you can can it with a traditional pressure cooker and get by just fine. So I guess that I would say that I would either freeze it or can it. Then I mentioned pork and lamb. For years, pork has been preserved with salt. And also you can can pork. And so pork has traditionally been one of the things you can preserve. And so I think that's one of the easier. But I think if you would do the lamb like the beef, I think that you would store it just fine. The only issue with lamb is the gamey taste that may or may not be present by the method of canning it. Now, I know that lamb done right is delicious, but lamb done wrong, not so much. And I really would question whether canning lamb would be beneficial. Now, I know a lot of people like mutton, and they eat mutton stew. And if you like that strong lamb taste, then by all means, go ahead and can it. I think you'll get along with it just fine. But if you're one of those that don't like that real gamey taste that lamb can have, that might not be a good choice for you to try to put in your pantry. And now for the people that don't eat meat or don't have the money to buy meat, and meat is getting very expensive, and that's beans. Beans and chickpeas and lentils and things like that have quite a bit of protein. And I know that the traditional diet of beans and rice has been used for centuries by people that have survived just fine. And if you want to think about the armies of the world, the ancient armies anyway, like the Romans and and all the other armies that have been throughout history, they traveled on grains. A lot of armies had some sheep and goats and a few cows that they trailed along with the rest of the army to give them fresh meat. But that was a luxury. By and large, the common soldier just got some sort of bread, and if they were lucky, they'd get some beans. And many wars were fought with bread and beans, and so I imagine that bread and beans can at least get you through the hard times. And beans are relatively inexpensive to buy. And if you buy rice and beans, and let's say you do have some meat you want to add it to, well, you can make what's called dirty rice, and you can add some hamburger and crumble it up and add that to your beans and rice and boost the protein a little bit and maybe help the flavor a little bit. But it'll also stretch your meat out. 
And so one of the things I would have in my pantry, whether you have meat or not, is I would have plenty of beans and rice. And I have enough beans and rice to last me about a year. And I do recommend having that much. It's easy to store and it keeps for a long time. And while I'm talking about food that I think you should put in your pantry, I do understand that a lot of the food can get old. It can become boring. And if you're one of those that are afraid of this food becoming boring, that's where you have to kick in your ingenuity and think of new ways to prepare with the same ingredients. Just by simply changing your spices and changing the method of how you prepare the food can really add some nice variety to your meals. And another thing your pantry, I believe, should be full of, and that would be pasta. The pasta that you go to the store and buy is real easy to keep. Just keep it in a very dry place, and you're good to go. The main thing with pasta and rice and grains in general are weevils and insects and mice. So if you store these items in a container that can seal up really well, for instance, I have my rice in sealed up five-gallon pails. And I have my beans still inside their 50-pound bag, but they're inside a cooler. And so you have to consider just how you're going to store this because you don't want to take anything for granted. Because if one mouse can get into your food, rest assured that hundreds more will. And you don't want to have your food supply spoiled by a bunch of mice. And mice must have a good sense of smell because it doesn't take any time at all for mice to find anything that's left out or anything that's stored poorly, they'll find it. And of course, you need to have your staples, which would be sugar and flour and salt, baking soda and baking powder, and different spices that you would use on your food. And again, you would store that the same way, inside an airtight container, and possibly put that container in another container and double up on it. And I'm going to add right here that I think it's time for you to get a cookbook together if you don't have any cookbooks in your house. And most people do, but there are a lot of people that don't have cookbooks. I think that you need to get some back-to-the-basics type cookbooks and not try to go for the gourmet cookbooks that have all sorts of different ingredients that you likely will not have inside your pantry if it's a survival food type of a thing. And if everyone would learn how to cook like their great-grandparents knew how to cook, you'd be very satisfied. In years gone by, you'd always have fresh biscuits on the table, you'd have fresh eggs and fresh milk, and you'd have all sorts of items that would I would consider them a luxury if you had them today. But in our society that's so rush-rush, people seem to settle for a TV dinner and call that food, whereas a few generations back, very few would serve that because they would be too proud to serve something that was what they would consider not quite up to standard. And so when you're prepping and you're trying to store food away, know that you have to be on a learning curve. You have to think outside the box and come up with maybe some unique ways that are unique to your situation that will work, and also learn how to cook. And if you already know how to cook, it'll be real easy for you to take these ingredients and make something very delicious. But if you don't cook much, you're liable to buy some of these survival meals that they sell as packages. And I really think that that's okay. And I really think those companies are filling a need. And I'm not saying anything against these companies. But the food is mostly freeze-dried. And it's highly processed. And I think you'd be better off with less processed food. 
And of course, I think you should have some canned beans. And I'm talking all kinds of beans from black beans and pinto beans, refried beans, and also green beans and wax beans. If you have a wide variety of beans, then you can really change up your meals. And also canned corn and canned peas. And if you can find some canned fruit that isn't packed in too much sugar, because I don't think it's really healthy with all that sugar that they put in some of the canned fruit, that also belongs in your pantry. And then, of course, there's dried fruit. You can buy dried apples and other fruits. And also you can buy nuts and cranberries and things like that. So there's ways to fill your pantry. And a lot of people have already started on their pantry, and some people have got their pantry well-stocked. And to those that are already well-stocked, I say, good job. Those that are getting there, I say, don't give up. But the ones that are just starting, I think you need to have a little sense of urgency. Now, I've said for really the last year that I thought it was imminent that we were going to have all sorts of issues as far as getting supplies. And I talked to someone who works on the railroad today, and I asked him point blank if they thought the railroad was going to go on strike. Well, the first time I asked this question to this person was several months ago when the threat of a strike first surfaced. He said, no, the unions will go ahead and okay it. There's not going to be a strike. So he's one of those that thought for sure there would be no strike. Well, I saw him today and I asked him, I said, well, you still think there's not going to be a strike? He looked at me and shook his head and said, well, I don't know. He said, we'll find out soon, but I just don't know. And so he went from being totally there's going to be no strike to really not knowing himself. And he works on the railroad. And the way he said it, almost like he dreaded that the strike actually was going to happen. Now, the reason I mention that is if we do have a railroad strike and you have not started prepping for food, and the railroad strike happens to last for weeks or a month, it's going to be really tough to get a supply together. Because at any given time in the grocery store, there's only three days worth of food. Now, that's in a civil, calm society. Can you imagine in an inner city, in the big cities, if something happens and the trains quit and the food quits coming in, the rioting and the looting that possibly would happen would just be obscene. And if you happen to live in a city, there's no way you're going to be able to get your food. And so don't wait until that moment and then say, oh, I think I'm going to stock up on food. And there's other people that have two or three years worth of food and they're still putting food in their pantry which there's nothing really wrong with that because you'll always eat it. But I think if you have a year's supply of food, I think you're fine. And if you have over that, I think that that's just icing on the cake. But as a rule of thumb, I think everyone needs to have at least one year's worth of food. And before you say, oh, I can't afford that, just think rice and beans. What you need to do is buy a year's supply of rice and beans first. That way you have food for a year. Rice and beans every meal would not be fun. Then you start filling in with things that will make that rice and beans taste better. Different spices and things like that. Then you can get some protein sources like salt pork and things that will keep. Then use this rice and beans as your nucleus. And then start adding the things that you would rather eat or do eat normally to your pantry. That way if something happens and it disrupts you getting your food together, You've already got that year's supply of food. It's already there. 
And you can buy a year's supply of rice and beans for around $150 a person. And so that does make it very affordable. And there's something about having that to fall back on, that insurance that you have, that really does help you sleep better. And before I end the program today, I want to mention this. If you do have food stored in your house, and if there is massive civil unrest, then your whole supply of food is in danger. And so, personally, I would not put my food all in one place. I would have it in three or four different places. And I would make each place extremely secure, all but one. I would have one place I would keep my food that would not be very secure at all. But I wouldn't have a lot of food there. Just put out a day or two's worth of food in that place. And that way, if there is civil unrest and someone happens to come to your house and they want your food or else, you can take them to that and open that door and say, you're welcome to all the food I have. Let them clear out your shelf and hope that they go away. Now, I know that sounds paranoid, but I think that we're about to enter a time where you're going to to be very cautious. And I think it's a great plan is to never tell anybody what you have. If anyone asks you if you have food stored up, well, first of all, it's none of their business, but you can tell them what you want. But I highly recommend that you need to keep this on a need-to-know basis. And believe me, most people don't need to know because it's very costly and it's a big chore to get a supply of food that will last you a month or a year. It takes a lot of effort. You don't want to lose everything to somebody that might come into your house and take all of your food. And you might say, well, they'll just take what they can eat. No, they'll take it all so they can go out and sell it. And of course, if you have it in several locations, if another location is discovered, you still have food in reserve. And so don't live in a state of panic or fear, but live in a state of preparation. Well, I hope you got something from this show today. I really enjoy filling in for Bob Bierman, and I appreciate all my listeners, and I appreciate the emails and also the mail that I get, and I appreciate it very much. I would like for you to consider donating to Truth to Ponder, and you can donate to Truth to Ponder in several ways. The first way is to go to the website, which is truth2ponder.com, and click on the link that says support. And that'll tell you how you can electronically support this program. And also, you can use regular mail, and you can send in a check or money order, and you would mail to Truth to Ponder, P.O. Box 510, P.O. Box 510, Chill Howie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. Again, thanks for listening, and until next time, everyone, stay safe, stay strong, get prepared, but most important of all, replace fear with faith. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.